when I was getting eliminated, he had to say it twice because he stumbled on his words the first time. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) oh, I'm like, okay, this is happening. Oh, and and now it's happening again because he messed it up the first time. (laughs) Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 90-something of the Pink Bike Podcast. I'm Mike Levy, and to be honest, I'm not entirely sure when this one will come out, so I'm just calling it number 90-something. So this is our second year of the Pink Bike Academy, and this time around, we've got five men and five women competing for a pro contract with Orbea and a $25,000 prize. I think that's more than most pro mountain bikers might make in three seasons, but that's an entirely different subject. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, the gist is that 10 riders are competing against each other in different challenges, racing blind, fitness tests, flat corner races, and other things over the 10 episodes up at the Big White Ski Resort to find a winner. I'll put a link to the series in the podcast article, but I should also say that if you haven't watched any yet, there's definitely going to be some spoilers in this podcast, at least up until episode 3. But it's time to catch up with some of the contestants, the first being Squamish's own, Tori Wood. Hi, Tori. Welcome to the PB podcast. How muddy was today's bike ride? Hi. Um, Yeah, there was definitely some rivers going through a lot of the trails. So (laughs) yeah, was a little wet out there. A little saucy. It was quite a bit different than the dust up in Big White, I bet. Oh, yeah. Definitely not even comparable. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to get to all of that. But first off, did you watch the first season of the Pink Bike Academy? Yeah, I watched the first season pretty much as it was coming out. I kind of, yeah, I was super interested in it and everyone was kind of talking about it. So yeah, I figured I'd check it out. Did you know right away that you wanted to try? No. Did you need convincing? Did someone (laughs) convince you to enter? (laughs) Um, honestly, after watching the first season, the idea of being on it absolutely terrified me. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of like, yeah, there's no way I'd ever do that. Uh, well, the thing is, Latori, you've been riding for like four years. That's like, relatively speaking, it's a, it's a kind of short amount of time. Like I've been riding for 25 years and there's trailheads that I go to that I get nervous at still, let alone riding in front of hundreds of thousands of people. So let's talk about nerves for a few minutes. On a scale of one to 10, how nervous were you to go there? I think I I kind of like disassociated in a way. I was so focused on- (laughs) It's a good strategy. (laughs) Yeah, I was so focused on just making sure that I was ready. I was on my bike every day. If I wasn't on my bike, I was either wrenching or I was training. I think I was just so busy leading up to it, trying to get ready that I didn't actually realize that I was going until- Until I was there and uh, then the nerves definitely set in like the first day. Yeah, the first kind of like two days where we were practicing and it was kind of like, okay, holy crap, this is actually happening. And I think that's when I started to get pretty nervous. Yeah. What what was it that made you nervous? Was it being on camera, which is scary, or was it the riding itself or what, what were you thinking about? Yeah, I think it was a combination of everything. Uh, Definitely having the cameras and all the crew members. I mean, I had never raced before, but... Which is also crazy. (laughs) We're going to get to that. Your first race was watched by like 200,000 people, but we'll get there. Yeah. I mean, 
I think probably I was just super nervous that I was going to make an idiot out of myself and it would be on the internet. Um, but then <laughs> it's my life. It was, yeah, I, I kind of just got to the point where it was like, I knew that I wasn't going to pass up this opportunity. Like it, it was too good of an opportunity to even consider not doing it. So yeah. once I kind of realized that there was no way I wasn't going to do it, then it was like, all right, you just got to deal with the nerves, like recognize that it's there and you're anxious and you're stressed and there's all these like emotions coming up for you, yeah. but it's all just part of the experience. There are definitely some people out there like who, let's be honest, it's mountain biking, reality television show. Mm-hmm. Like definitely it, the idea irks some people. And I would say it probably irks a relatively large amount of people where we live in the Sea to Sky corner. So did you, did you feel any of that negative vibe at all? Did you get any, any hate? Um, not really. I mean, I feel like the pink bike keyboard warriors are pretty savage yeah. no matter what you do. So yeah. it's, yeah, you kind of, and when we got there, there's kind of a bit of discussion about, how to handle, you know, negative feedback because, you know, everyone has an opinion online and it's yeah. it's super easy for people to type pretty like malicious or negative things. So, yeah. It seemed like a really fun opportunity, so and I yeah, I think it's I think the pros outweighed the cons for me. I couldn't really see too many drawbacks for it. I I understand why people are not into the idea of a reality TV show for mountain biking, but yeah. at the end of the day, like, you know, we're just here to ride our bikes and what's, you know, what's so wrong with that? Right. How did, how did it go like arriving there and meeting everybody, meeting your competitors, getting the vibe for everything? How was that? It was definitely interesting because I feel like I try to figure everyone out as soon as I can when I meet people. So having, I already knew, I I knew Emmett beforehand and I'd met Flo um, just briefly. We had a COVID test. So I, I knew those two already, mm-hmm. but meeting everyone else, it's it was a pretty bizarre environment because yeah, it's ultimately you're going to be competing against these people and everyone's kind of trying to size each other up. And, you know, there was a lot of international uh, competitors as well. So you know, just having the, like the different cultures combined. So it was, it was a pretty, it wasn't awkward. It was exciting for sure. Everyone was super stoked, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a pretty different experience just trying to like figure people out and figure out their personalities. And was everybody friendly? Oh yeah. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, everyone's super friendly. Um, there was Nobody definitely sabotaged a a... any bikes or anything? No, no. There's like some language barriers, but it ended up just being pretty hilarious yeah. at the end of the day. So, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, it's funny because mountain biking is this culture that obviously everyone there had in common. Everyone there loved to ride their bikes, but everyone's from different parts of the world. So seeing... And talking to people about their experience in the mountain biking culture, like Elena, she's from California. And um, I did, I think I did hear that she has a BMX background. What? Um, yeah. No yeah, way. I did, I did hear that. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so hearing about like her experience and the mountain bike culture there. And then Israel, obviously, f- from Mexico and talking to him about 
like what life is like back at home for him riding on his home trails. And it was just really cool to see because pretty much all I know is the Sea to Sky and BC mountain bike culture. And that's all I've ever experienced. So yeah, with yeah. like, I've done some trips to New Zealand and Australia, but yeah, it's cool just to see this community come together yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, share experiences. So from my experience, so a lot of my rides end up being work rides with like, I don't know, six to eight dudes that I've never met before, like at a press camp or something like that. Right. And yeah. before the ride, sometimes, you know, everyone's kind of just feeling each other out. Like no one's too boisterous. No one's too friendly. But then you go for a bike ride. And after the bike ride, everybody's best friends, you know, like, yeah. it feels like the weight is lifted and everybody's just being themselves. It's funny how bikes do that. Yeah. It's like a middle ground kind of for yeah. for a lot of people. And I think brings people together and yeah. All those corny things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Without yeah. sounding too corny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So going into PBA, did you do any sort of specific training? You you said you've only been riding for four years, mm-hmm. but I've also read that you got yourself a coach for this. Yeah, so I mean, by the time I, I, I honestly, I did not think that I was going to be selected to go to the academy. So I kind of like did the submission. I made an edit with my friend and submitted that. And then I had an interview. And I think the interview was wait, in... Wait, Tori, Tori, was that the one where you were sliding down all those muddy trails, like mock chicken and you cased that jump? Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. great. I love yeah. it. I broke my wheel <laughs> on ah. that jump. <laughs> well, it was worth it anyway. Yeah. But by the time the interview came around and they actually told me in the interview that they had already chosen me to be on the show, I think there was only like two months um, until it started, which kind of seems like a lot of time, but it really wasn't. So I I reached out to Jamie Hill um, because I'd heard she's obviously mountain biking legend, kind of lives in Squamish and had heard really good things about her coaching. So I called her and we kind of had a discussion and she was kind of like between now and the Academy, there's not really like, we can't really do a whole lot, Mm -hmm. but I was also racing after the Academy. I wanted to do the Enduros and some of the downhill races. So we Mm kind of had the Academy as one thing to work towards. And then the races after as kind of like other things to work towards. So she kind of just worked with me a little bit on, yeah, some technique and some mental strategies as well. So yeah, so that, that was super helpful. And then I, I I mean, I was going by what happened on last season with the mechanical challenges. So (laughs) you did your homework. (laughs) Yeah. I had quite a few sessions, uh, with two of my friends who were bike mechanics in town, Thomas from Tantalus. And then, um, Brett who works at Republic also helped me out and, uh, you know, just going over the basics. I mean, obviously it wasn't a waste of time because learning how to wrench on your bike and work on your bike is super valuable, but yeah. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, we, I mean, it I didn't help the- you there specifically, no. but it will probably <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely. Do you know, did any of the other contestants get a coach? Uh, I think a lot of the contestants already had coaches. Mm-hmm. The reason that I ask is that I feel like a lot of riders are too proud to do that, to be honest with you. Like, especially people that have been riding for a long time. I think a lot of us are like, oh, I don't need a coach. I don't know how to take a corner. 
But that's not true. We've just been doing it wrong for 10 or 15 years or whatever. It, it kind of works. So I think that's kind of neat that you got a coach before you went there. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I was a competitive gymnast for most of my childhood. And so I know the value of a coach. And I think for me, it was like, let's get a coach to help me. If, if racing is something that I do want to pursue at a high level, then let's get a coach to stop, you know, the bad habits and to correct the things that I'm doing wrong early on before, you know, I'm doing them for 10, 15 years and then <laughs> it's too late. So why are, you, why are you looking at me when you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen your corner, but <laughs> you don't need to. <laughs> don't worry about it. So earlier on, you mentioned you'd, you'd literally never done a race before going to Pink Bike Academy where you would, I think, don't you like win a contract to race professionally? Yeah. I That's kind of crazy to yeah, just set it out was, like that. It was definitely a pretty ballsy move. But I, like, again, I really didn't think that I was going to get picked. Yeah. I definitely made a good plea for myself and in, in my application and I, I went for it for sure like I was hoping that I'd get picked but yeah yeah I guess I had only really decided I decided the summer before that racing was something that I might want to try but then there were no races because of COVID there weren't even any toonie races nothing yeah. I mean, ideally, I would have liked to have done at least one race before <laughs> going to pink yeah. bike, but it just didn't line up. So, yeah. They're... I like it. I, li I like the style. <laughs> Send it. Yeah. Do you, do you think that that helped you or hurt you? I know we can only speculate, mm -hmm. but the reason that I ask is that I've done a fair bit of racing and before I go to a race... What I do is I think about it so hard that I completely fuck myself over. <laughs> and I, I feel like if I didn't have the experience, my past experiences, I feel like sometimes it might actually have gone better. You know, like you, you went in there maybe not knowing and like, well, let's just see what happens. Where someone who's got a lot of past racing experience, like some of your competitors, I feel like they might have been more nervous, like they have something to prove. Yeah, I mean, in, in that sense, being an underdog is kind of good because people are not really expecting you to blow it out of the water and, you know, like win by yeah. a super big margin. But I do, I genuinely do think that more race experience would have <laughs> been an asset for sure. Just, have you raced since? Yeah. Yeah. How did, how did it go? Yeah, they went super well. So I still don't know if I prefer enduro over downhill racing. I'm kind of, right now I'm kind of split. They're so different. So... Downhill, there's. I feel like there's so much pressure in downhill. Like enduro, when I screw up, the runs are way longer. And plus there's like five or six of them, which means there's more opportunity for me to screw up, but also more opportunity for me to make up time on other people's screw ups. I feel like enduro is the way forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. And enduro, I think I'm quite fit. So when the stages have, you know, uphill pedals and, you know, stages that are quite physically demanding and... Um, I think that is to my advantage, for sure. I know in the Whistler Enduro, there was an uphill climb that was like four minutes. And I think I made a lot of time up on that yes. part. But yeah, but then downhill, there is a lot of pressure. But I also feel that you can have your line so dialed and you have everything memorized so well that when it comes time 
to your race run, you don't really have to think you just kind of execute and you can just pin it. And it's almost like, to me, it, it reminds me of gymnastics where, you know, you re- you rehearse your routine so many times and then come competition day, you execute your routine. And that's to me how it felt racing downhill. Just like, okay, time for like this corner and this technical section and this jump. And it's yeah. just, hitting a routine just let you practice so yeah yeah let's go back to the gymnast thing for a minute there Tori so I've seen a couple photos of you like upside down (laughs) on like a 45 degree angle on like your pinky finger (laughs) what is the deal with the gymnast thing um yeah like I've I went into gymnastics when I was pretty young mom tried to put me in ballet but I was like cartwheeling around the room so they put me in gymnastics and, uh, you know, I only did it till I was about 12 um, and I competed in it. And then ever since I've kind of just, I mean, that sort of set the tone. I'm very, I'm definitely quite disciplined and I'm very much an all or nothing kind of person. So when it comes to sports, I kind of go into everything with the same intensity that I used mm-hmm. to train gymnastics because that's all I really know. So, but yeah, I still, I definitely spend a lot of time upside down (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) mostly because it's just fun. And I think that like, it's like move it or lose it, right? Like if you don't keep moving your body and doing the things that it can do, then you're going to end up being 60 years old and barely able to walk. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah. exactly. In episode two, Tori, you talked about snapping into the mode when you were on the trainer doing the FTP test. And there is that sort of like anybody who takes anybody who takes exercising seriously or any competition seriously, I should say, they do know how to do that. Like there's that time when you're like, you just know it's go time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. And this is one of the reasons that I picked up mountain biking and I get the same feeling when I'm skiing as well. When you know that you have to be switched on and you have to be so focused. It just makes all the other noise in your head quiet. And I think that's why I like it so much is because it just stops all like the background noise. Mm -hmm. And um, especially in mountain biking, if you can't learn to turn off that other noise, the consequences can be really bad, especially if you're, if you're riding super dangerous or pretty like hard, things or if you're going really really fast Mm -hmm. you don't really have there's no room for anything else in your mind except for being absolutely present in what you're doing um and I notice even when I'm just riding with my friends if my mind is kind of thinking like oh you know I have this to do later or I should have done this before and as soon Mm -hmm. as your mind starts to wander then your performance goes down the drain so um, I guess I, I learned that from doing gymnastics as well, but yeah, just, I think with any sport really that, yeah you know, requires that amount of precision and when the consequences can be. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. I've, I've told people before that one of my favorite things about mountain biking is that when I'm doing it, I'm not thinking about anything else. And it's not that there's like horrible things in my head that I'm trying to forget. It's literally that there's a different thought in there, like every 14 seconds, you know, but when you're mountain biking, like I'm just trying not to freaking fall over on the slippery route. So I'm not, I'm not thinking about all the different things all the time. 
in your pre-show interview, you said that your mindset was one of your weaknesses. What did you mean by that? I have a lot of negative self-talk that is sometimes really hard to stifle. And I think that I am incredibly hard on myself as well. So maybe say if something, and this happened in the third episode when there was the, the flat corner challenge, you know, I didn't feel great on the first part of the challenge. And so in my mind, all these negative thoughts started coming into my head, you know, thinking, wow, people are probably thinking, what is she doing here? Like she can't corner. Um, she looks like an amateur. And in my mind, I'm thinking you suck. You're not doing well enough. Like you're failing. And that just perpetuates the poor performance, which then exacerbates the negative self-talk. So it's really just yeah. like a negative yeah. cycle. And the problem for me is stopping that those thoughts once they start, um, especially because in my mind, like I believe them to be true. And it's really hard because I can try and voice these to friends like after when I was riding the chairlift um, with Flo to go do the race on Bermslang, I was saying to her, I was like, man, I really suck. I really suck at cornering. Like this is, I'm doing really badly. And she's trying to tell me, no, dude, like you're good. You've got this. Like you're a good rider. You're a great rider. But at a certain point I, I was, I was almost like too far gone. And I was just in a state of, yeah, like it, my brain, it just, it felt like a complete disaster that day. So that's yeah. what I was referring to when I said that my mindset is one of my weaknesses. So, and it's been something that I, I mean, I've been working on it my whole life. Like it's not easy when you have this constant string of negative thoughts mm -hmm. coming into your brain. Exercise, writing, right? Mm -hmm. Training. That's been super helpful with that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's like this crazy double-edged sword because, I mean, we just spent 15 minutes before this talking about how amazing mountain biking it is and how helpful it's been. But at the same time, I mean, I agree with you. Like, I can go out and like, I'm not, I'm not competing for shit. And I can go out and dab on a climb that I've cleaned a bunch of other times, and it like wrecks everything. It's okay. crazy how how bikes can do that. But at the same time. I mean, that's not an uncommon trait with people who are kind of trying to be athletes, right? Yeah, I think it's it's almost like a, I mean, I've said it before, but it's kind of like a perfectionist complex. And I think that it is, it definitely helps when you have, when you set these high standards for yourself, it helps drive you and it helps you try harder and do better. But it also gets to a point where, you got to like sit back and be like, am I having fun? Like, this is why I'm like, I ride my bike because it's fun. Not because I want to feel like shit about myself. So I, I feel like you're speaking directly to me when I'm on Zwift. Okay. <laughs> Stop it. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, but like, there's got to be a balance, right. Of like, like to me pushing myself and, and progression, that is fun. Yeah. But it's also it can it can get to a point where it's too far and you're and you're just bullying yourself. So 
like where's that fine line where you can be successful and keep progressing but also you know not ruin your ride because you feel like crap <laughs> not like throw your bike 20 feet down the trail because you didn't clean <laughs> some rudy climb. yeah i don't know who does yeah. that <laughs> no i've i've never had a temper tantrum on a trail oh no no all right <laughs> let's go back to episode three the flat corner race the race down berm slang I know that hindsight can be so freaking annoying, but what would you do different about that day or maybe leading up to it? Is there anything that you would change? Uh, well, leading up to it, I probably would have done some uh, some slalom course <laughs> cornering training. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they should have <laughs> told help. you that was coming or something. Yeah, right? I should have just found like a really dry patch of like dirt. Flat corners are everything. <laughs> Yeah. To be honest, flat corners are everything because if you can if you can rail a flat corner, I feel like that the body weight, like knowing how to do the things with the body weight and the counter steering, it's mm -hmm. super important. You know, it yeah. leads to other things. And this not is, that I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I learned after. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of hindsight, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I was back at that slalom course every morning after I got eliminated for I'd spend like a couple hours or. Awesome. Yeah, so it was just like, I was like, okay, that's clearly one of my weaknesses. So that yeah. is something that I should just like get on right away. And even like now I still, I'll spend two rides a week just just doing cornering. <laughs> like yeah. just focusing on trails where I'm like, I'm going to do corners. Like if there's one corner I'm struggling on, I'll like go back and try yeah. it again. And I'll like film myself doing corners to see if I'm doing the right thing. So, but in terms of what I would do differently for that day I think it's it's that's honestly that's a really hard question because at the time I was just I was just trying to calm down I was so panicked <laughs> yeah um, is that your is that sorry to interrupt I just have a question quick question is that your I feel like going into racing there are two kinds of people the kind of person who's like who stays calm and like if they were listening to music it would be like you know calm classical stuff mm -hmm. and then there are the people that want to get pumped up you know like the guy named chad and the guy named kevin you know like oh get it yeah <laughs> where 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 are you on that scale um i don't think i'm a chad or a kevin good, good. um <laughs> i think i'm more like just try and breathe and find some peace and honestly like try to just not think yeah. is what i was trying to do because thinking was thinking can be super stressful because you can just yeah. overthink. So I was, yeah, just trying to like calm, calm my mind. Go with so, the flow. Yeah. I feel like that whole race run down Bermslang was like, I kind of, I honestly felt like I froze. And even looking at my riding in the episode, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it looks That's like. It's weird. It is your first race. <laughs> yeah. I just. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's frustrating because I know that I'm a better rider than that, but it's also just like Yeah. You were doing the best you can. <laughs> like yeah. it was it was stressful. Racing's a different beast entirely. Like if you were just riding down that trail and doing a top to bottom run, I mean, I I don't know, but I know a lot of times when I'm not trying hard, I go faster than when I'm trying really hard, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's something that I kind of learned in the races that I did this summer is I ride best when I'm calm and when I'm not thinking that I'm racing. 
Yeah. When you're just kind of like, just go fast and ride smooth. <laughs> yeah. And breathing and like focusing on your breath is breathing huge out. as well because that kind of takes you out of whatever is going on in your head and grounds you in the present. Yeah. So yeah. I found that that was like a really cool tip that Jamie actually taught me. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I wish Jamie had told me that about 15 years ago. I remember racing, I raced downhill for a long time as a junior and in all my downhill runs, however, however many of them there were, I don't think I ever took a breath until I got past like the first minute and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, it's really hard to ride a bike when you've been holding your breath. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, I swear I'm better than this. What's wrong with me? Well, yeah. it's because I'm not breathing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we've got to talk about the elimination. Mm -hmm. Did you suspect that you were going home when they were leading up to that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I had like, I knew that each day... Each challenge was like a new start. So nothing was getting carried over from the previous days. Mm -hmm. And I also pretty much knew for sure that they wouldn't send another guy home and that it was a girl's turn to go home. And we didn't know our race times at all before mm -hmm. the elimination. So I didn't actually know where I sat in like the grand scheme of things, but I was pretty sure that I was at the bottom, which, yeah, I kind of did all the like calculations in my head. And I was like, you know, you're probably going home today. So I wasn't surprised. I was really bummed. I was super bummed because, you know, obviously I would have liked another chance to kind of prove myself. And it seems that, you know, I had a one sort of bad day and Mm -hmm. um, got sent home because of it. So yeah, but I, I wasn't really surprised. <laughs> so after you got eliminated, you had to stay up there for the remainder of the filming, which was, I think two weeks. Was that, is that correct? Yeah, it was just, it was about a week and a half that yeah. I, yeah, that I stayed there after I got eliminated. And Pinkbike took everybody's phones for the entire time. Yeah. That's, that's kind of neat. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It probably forced everybody to, you know, to talk to each other more, I would imagine. Yeah, everyone, I mean, yeah, no one was getting distracted by their phones. And so it was good in that sense. Um, it would have been nice to, like, be able to reach out to some family members and friends after I got axed. But, yeah, yeah it was definitely conducive to, like, building a pretty good environment for the competitors and getting to know each other. Tori, if it was me, after I got eliminated, I would want absolutely nothing to do with it. I wouldn't watch any of the episodes. But have you watched any of the episodes that have come out since the one where you eliminated? And what did you think? Honestly, I watched episode four where, yeah, the cross-country challenge. Oh, it would have been and good to see you in that one, Tori. I feel yeah, like that was your jam. That one hurt. That yeah. one really hurt. And then no one got eliminated and I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I couldn't, I haven't, I haven't watched anymore after that. So it's That's just fair. hard. I, I probably will, but I just, you know, I wanted to be there so bad. Yeah. So it's like watching everyone go to a party and you have to sit in the corner because right. you can't corner. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe now you can do corner. it better though. All that time on the flat track after you got eliminated. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, I I would hope that my cornering has gotten better <laughs> since then. <laughs> are you are you pulling for anybody in PBA to win? Is there a contestant that you'd like to see win? Oh, definitely. Flo. Flo's my girl. She's incredible. She's an incredible human. She has such a good energy and she's a fantastic rider and she just really wants it. Like she is so passionate about mountain biking and racing. It's moving. Yeah. Like it's, I think a lot of people yeah. are pulling for her. Yeah. And it's neat to see South America represented as well. For sure. Yeah, she's got a pretty big following. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> But exactly. it's awesome. All right, so what is next for Tori Wood? Yeah, just more racing next season. Going to do some downhill and some enduros again, and then hopefully get some good results. And just finishing my degree as well. <laughs> hopefully I can become a, a licensed counselor. So oh, nice. that uh, that is the goal as well. But... Yeah, just hoping to have some good adventures in the meantime as well and explore. <laughs> All right. That is it with Tori Wood from Pink Bike Academy. Stay tuned for more PBA episodes in the future. And if you've got questions for Tori, put them down below. She said she's going to come in and answer them. And as usual, make sure to like the podcast, give it some sort of good rating, share it on all your social things, and we'll see you next episode. Next episode.